welcome to the Feminine Coaching Podcast. I'm Jenna Ward, I am your hostess for this conversation and today in episode 5, I'm so very honoured and thrilled to bring to you two very well-known and established feminine coaches to discuss real life success. So this podcast, episode five, is actually broken into two parts. Right now, you're listening to part one. And in this part, we're speaking with one of my very good friends and a woman that I've coached with, Susanna Frioni. Every single individual who chooses to work and coach with the feminine arts will do so in a very unique to her way. And Susanna is the perfect example of this. Susanna describes herself as an erotic empowerment coach, and she's also the hostess of an incredibly popular podcast called Love, Sex, Desire. In this conversation with Susanna, we're examining how she weaves the feminine arts and the arts of coming into the body, inhabiting the body, with her own unique embodied experience, which is very much around the world of relationships and intimacy. We're diving into how she transitioned from group fitness into private and group coaching, as well as examining some of Susanna's own challenges, challenges around taking things slow, following her own intuition, and redefining her version of expertise. It's a really beautiful conversation, and I'm grateful that you're joining us for it. Welcome, Susanna. I would love to kick things off by hearing a little bit about who you are and who you work with as a coach. Hmm. Well, hello. It's so I'm so happy to be here. Um, so, God, don't we just love this question? <laughs> I always find I modify what I say based on who I'm speaking to. But because we are here with you doing feminine coaching, a lot of my work, I work specifically with women. And I mean, I call myself an erotic empowerment coach. I've really struggled even trying to define exactly what realm I'm playing in. That's been a journey in and of itself. And that's something we can explore together later. Mm. Um, But essentially, my work is really about reconnecting women back with their body, back with their desires and creating a life that's in deeper alignment with that. Mm. And I know you also have a podcast called Love, Sex, Desire. So how does that relate to this concept of erotic empowerment? Many of our listeners might even be familiar with that podcast. If you're not, go check it out. But how is that concept for you in the world of women, love, sex, desire, relate to the concept of that erotic empowerment and following desires? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, for me, when I think of the word erotic, I mean, I easily translate it to aliveness and you know living an erotically empowered life is really about the convergence of these three elements love sex and desire when I named the podcast that was not the original intention they were just three particular topics I was really passionate about and wanted to speak to and you know that platform just allows me to you know interview incredible people and create content for women and um, you know, I guess speak with others where we can just share stories more openly on these topics that no one really likes to talk about so openly. So, mm. yeah. I love it. And I'm sure personally you've experienced 
those phases where nobody was talking about the things that seemed so obvious and essential to life for you. And so I'm really curious, what was your personal journey, perhaps of not having the avenues to be able to have these conversations that's led you to this point of really wanting to work with women? Like, did you always know you wanted to be an erotic empowerment coach or whatever the specific no. level of time was? <laughs> Would you give us a no. bit of info about like, how did, how did it translate? And I acknowledge it might be a bit of a long story, but I'm really super interested. How did you get to this point? Yeah. So look, no, definitely not. This was, I never saw this. What I did see is I always felt called to not just help people, but always bring out the best in people. And the first part of my career started in the fitness arena as a group fitness teacher. Um, but then of course, you know, my own personal life being, I got married super young. I became a mum super young. I'm talking, you know, 21. And during my early twenties, through that personal journey, I was just questioning marriage and monogamy and motherhood and every idea of the life that I was creating. Like, is this what I really want? And how is it so that I feel so miserable or that my desire seemed to be in deep conflict with my morals and my values, but I'm at this like tug of war and I don't really know where to go or what to do. And people don't talk about this stuff. And, um, so I would turn to like, I call it the underworld. Like I was searching for any kind of content and it led me to like the anonymous blogs. Blogging wasn't even really big back then. We're going over, uh, well, like nearly 15 years, even more ago. So quite a long time ago. Um, but there, I mean, that was my own personal crisis. And then uh, that led me to meditation. My experience, it, it was called Vipassana. And at a 10-day in silence, being with myself, you know, had some huge epiphanies, huge awakenings. And literally, it was this old life I created for myself dismantled very quickly. And some new explorations happened. With, you know, I call it my spiritual and sexual awakening. I fell in love with a woman. So there was, you know, that piece of exploring my sexuality and I always knew I wanted to sort of have my own business and do my own thing and finally I guess you know I was just presented with the opportunity like when you've got a clean slate there's no better time than just to dive all in and started originally just as writing um, then I moved into yoga teaching these are sort of all happening simultaneously the career piece um, from the yoga teaching I knew I wanted to do coaching and I knew I wanted something very specific because it was, I could almost see like no one approach works for everyone. Like we're very, we're individuals and there's something really unique. And the framework that resonated with me at the time is something called the Enneagram. And I happened to just stumble upon a training that specialized in that. And its approach was all about presence, which was super aligned with, you know, my love of yoga at that time. And, you know, I say that training just, it was like a deep intimacy with myself on levels that I had never, ever imagined. And when I think back of the challenging times in my marriage, you know, I even look back at my journals and the language that I used back then was, I was craving intimacy. I was craving intimacy with an other and yet I didn't know how to be intimate with myself 
And so I only realized this, you know, in hindsight, joining the dots backwards, but that was part of, of the journey. And then I guess from there, um, I guess it was sort of, then I also do sacred dance work with women. So the movement's always been a big part of me. Um, I guess just teaching yoga for a few years, there were certain things I needed to learn, but eventually it was sort of stepping out of that and then creating my own particular movement of my own flavor that then awakened the sacred dance work. And at the same time, I was like, I love the movement piece and I love the coaching piece, but I also love conversations. So let's also have this podcast. And that's sort of been, I mean, that's the quick version, but I hope that answers your question. It totally answers my question. And I think it speaks to the evolution that we go through. You described it as this craving of deeper intimacy with yourself. I don't necessarily think there's some point where as an individual or a professional, we get to a final standing ground and say, this is it. Nothing will change. There will be no deepening, no further deepening into intimacy from here. It's like, I'm as intimate as it gets. I don't think we get to that point. And so it's really beautiful to hear the evolutions and the different phases of your own work and your, which, which marry and which parallel your personal explorations and would it be pretty fair to say that it's still a work in progress that it's still evolving and shifting and changing absolutely I don't think it ever ends but I will say you know personally I think a lot of my journey was quite heavy in terms of like the sexuality and the desire which was you know really really beautiful um and then you know, I do a lot of work around your erotic woman, like that part of you that needs to be fed, not just in relationship, but just in, in life. And for me, I just learned it's actually her that I need to stay close with. And when I abandon her, I'm noticing the impact it has on the relationship. So sort of the sexuality was sort of the, I want to say the baseline, but it's always been about relationship. And I think that's been a little challenging for me to really maybe own and step into it because my journey, what feels like eight years after my divorce, whilst I've had some long-term relationships, they were, hmm, I would not have labeled them as like thriving partnerships, which was something that I desired. And yet they were fundamental to some, it's like Somewhere in my soul journey, I said, yep, I'm here to master relationships. Therefore, let me sign up so I can learn every little nuance in every situation. <laughs> Therefore, that will make me a really great teacher or guide in this arena. That's what I tell myself anyway. So, you know, it's only really recently that I feel like I can look back and go, all that work has been worth it. And yes, the arrival point is is like here like yes i i um oh how do i want to say this it's like, i know exactly what you're it saying it works it's like yes this shit works i know it <laughs> i finally feel like that's really deep in my body and of course the journey's always going to continue but i just feel like there's been this big um I don't know if there's like the seven year cycle thing i'm like oh signed sealed delivered i have graduated yes <laughs> 
Yes, I've graduated this class. I'm not sure which one I'm signing up for next. <laughs> I really can relate to that. And it's quite interesting because when we parallel the beautiful story uh, that you moved through uh, post-divorce, different trainings, different explorations on your own, when we parallel that journey, it's really beautiful to to witness you and to hear you at this point say the foundation that I've graduated into is this, you know, this idea around thriving relationships and deep intimacy with self, deep intimacy with others as that relates to relationships. And that in my language is really absolutely, as you've described your embodied experience. And it's not necessarily anything that you've learned in a book or any training that you've been to. Nobody can give you that. And yet there's so many tools that you've collected on your way that have supported you to shape and to refine this work that is beyond any qualification, that is simply the essence of who you are, what you're here to learn. And so naturally what you're here to share most beautifully. And so I'm curious, in your personal opinion, do you believe embodied experience, so lived experience, is one of the most important aspects of not only personal mastery, but also expertise at this time in the world? Yes, I, I, I'm actually saying it's the number one thing. Mm. Yeah, I just think nothing can trade up the value that direct experience can can give you and I like the subtle distinction that you made there in terms of your own sort of your personal direct experiences and then there's that in the expertise realm as well so yeah you're living and experiencing it but then something translates and something shifts when you're then guiding others as well so yeah I, I, like nothing can replace that the most value happens right there. And I think that's how you make it your own as well. I absolutely, like my personal journey and, you know, you described relationships as being the thing that just keeps circling around to test you. Like there's a number of things in my life. One of them certainly is the act of being embodied, connected, fully inhabiting of self and then being disconnected and that's certainly been a reoccurring story in my lifetime. And it's like, similarly, I've learned every nuance of how I can escape that. And that's only my experience. But as I share that with other women and coach other women through it, it becomes a very robust understanding of mastery yeah. in this specific aspect. And what I think is common to all of these aspects of what I'm calling the feminine arts, which is why we're speaking about feminine coaching, is that all of these feminine arts are very much concerned with the feeling, flowing, sensual, pleasure-based aspects of ourselves. And there's really three, I kind of consider that there's three key criteria for something that constitutes the feminine arts. And that, that is, it relates to either purpose or power or pleasure in a feeling, feminine, flowing way. And it certainly seems to me the description of the erotic woman that you gave before is absolutely an aspect and includes all of those three pillars, power, purpose definitely pleasure would that be fair to say and do you have any else to add to your concept of what you feel like might make up the feminine arts oh mm, big question just dropping that mm. in there <laughs> yeah um you know once upon a time when i was sort of i, I hadn't quite 
named, wasn't really playing in the space of feminine and masculine. Mm. Uh, for me, it all originated just from deep presence, essentially. But they were three words that I remember listing down, like pleasure, power, and purpose. So it's funny that you you bring them up like that. Mm. And I believe they're, they're probably true of both masculine and feminine. Um, yes, yeah, and they are. different flavors. Yeah, and I would describe the feminine aspects of them as flowing and feeling aspects, uh, dynamic, always changing. Yes, yeah. interesting. And it's interesting. I always, ex- my experience is sort of the feminine and the masculine is, yeah, the masculine part of you is simply the one witnessing the part of you that is feeling everything, yes. you know. Sort of like that's happening simultaneously. Yeah. I deeply agree with you. In the first episode of this podcast, we clarified a little bit about that, and I'm totally on the same page as you there. Mm. And so I'm curious, I want to shift gears here, and I'd love to ask you a little bit of a probing question about your uh, coaching practice because you coach with women. You also run sacred dance events all around Australia and New Zealand and the world. And very soon I believe you have some beautiful new offerings coming out around that but as it specifically relates to your coaching practice which you do full-time and have done for many years what do you feel for you as a coach has been one of the biggest challenges in you bringing this work forward in a way that is abundant and is successful what's perhaps been the biggest it could be an internal challenge or even a practical one that you've had to meet and overcome in order to really actualize this beautiful work, which has touched so many women around the world. I know you coach with women around the world. So what's been the biggest challenge for you? I would say one of them was like, I, I crave freedom. So I actually really struggled with the idea of boxing myself into any particular corner or label the idea of maybe just being a coach would actually freak me out the idea is sort of just leaning into the podcasting in or creating online educational you know programs would like also not feel 100% right or just just being you know the sacred dance facilitator would also feel but it was sort of they all needed to be present i had to actually really own those particular roles or essences within me and just go you know what you are a coach so just own the coaching part of your business you know what you are a facilitator just own the part of you that is the facilitator I had to that was sort of a bit of a mind um, I was gonna say mind fuck for me because I understood you know there's something about when you can just be really specific about who you are and what you do there's potency in that and I wanted to be potent but I also wanted to honor like the different parts of me that want to come out and play so that was a huge challenge mm. and that's also is really interesting I can definitely uh, sympathize if that's the right <laughs> word with the idea of being really multi-passionate and having so many different ways and possibilities and potentials about how your passions, your work can come forward. 
And certainly, you know, your avenues are very diverse. And I'm curious, which order did they come in? So if we think about the three big avenues for you, coaching, events through sacred Mm. dance and podcasting, what was the order that they, in terms of the order, in terms of the prominence in your life and in your business, the size, the room that they took up, what was the order of those three? Yeah, I would say... uh... So I think facilitating and teaching, even though it wasn't the sacred dance, it, I mean, it was sort of, I think of like group fitness and then even yoga teaching. And then sort of on the side, I started the coaching and the coaching was, um, did it start? I was, I'm just really trying to think, was it originally one-on-one or was it actually group? I have a feeling I actually started in group coaching so just small groups they were just sort of live days uh yeah it actually started in small groups that's funny actually thinking about it I didn't realize that as you know until I'm sort of speaking about it right now and then then I moved into one-on-one and I think that was simply because uh now I remember I actually sort of stepped into coaching groups before I was quote unquote certified or had any training. Mm. It was only once I sort of had the training, then I stepped more into one-on-one work. And even then it was really specialized around the Enneagram as sort of a, a portal through and then more almost life coaching. I don't want to say business coaching. It was more just, you know, maybe purpose you know, what are you here to do? And then it just really shifted gears into the erotic space. But that then came after the sacred dance and then the podcasting. And so many then, ingredients. Yeah, the flavor then changed into the erotic empowerment coaching. And this is really beautiful to hear because I feel like so many women are, um, and from my experience, speaking with other women and peers and students, there can be a really big question mark about, am I specific enough in what I'm offering? Is this the right uh, configuration? Um, Is this the right way for me to express it? Am I potent enough? And in my experience, it's purely only through the act of expression and putting yourself forward. Uh, that we get a bit of a sense of this does feel really great for me or, okay, actually there's a little shift here. And those refinements come through actualizing what's present for us now. So it sounds like you were really present with what was there and it refined and refined and it kept evolving itself in a number of ways. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing with coaching, like another challenge for me is maybe also recognizing the value in coaching. I hadn't ever really worked with a coach. And so I think it was really important for me to work with a coach during those years that I was also stepping into coaching because I could go, it's so valuable to me (laughs) to have a coach. And sometimes they're just simply holding space. I think particularly with the particular approach Mm -hmm. that worked best for me, which was this embodied coaching it was this deep presence which was a radical shift from let's just set some goals and hold you accountable and make you know whip 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 keep keep achieving keep ticking off the list keep stepping forward let's try and you know reconfigure your mindset but we're going to keep you quite disconnected from your body 
you know, it was a very different experience. So it also took a little while for me to understand fully just how valuable that approach was. It was the most valuable approach for me personally. And so, you know, sometimes I think in sessions, like I just had to go like, this is really valuable for somebody else as well. Mm. Even though I might feel like at times I'm doing nothing or I should be doing more. I think there's a real art in the the holding of space for someone to feel what they need to feel. So that, yeah, that was a big shift for me as well mentally. And it's a huge, I think personal, professional, uh, every area of life, it's a really big radical shift to really claim the value of personally who you are, of professionally what you offer. It's really beautiful to hear you describe it, uh, that through receiving coaching, you actually begin to become more receptive of exactly what the, the currency of that value was. And as somebody who is actually coached with you, Susanna, I can absolutely guarantee and I can second the concept that receiving coaching, being the one who's just in the space of receiving and feeling the very personal benefit that comes from in the particular style of coaching that we're speaking about is a very embodied felt style of coaching. Oh my gosh, I can absolutely validate. And I feel like that's been really important. I'm not sure about you. It's been important for me to really... Um, with integrity, hold the price that I charge for my coaching to really understand the value. Being in receivership, so being the, the client in, in coaching relationships has absolutely hold, helped me indirectly to hold my value and my prices mm. as a coach. Would you say that has been your experience or different? Yeah, <clears throat> most definitely. Mm. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? So I think it's I mean, coming back to that direct experience again of needing it personally mm. and then stepping into the teacher, the coach, the facilitator, and then having that experience is a beautiful crossover there. Mm. Can't have one without the other. We, I mean, I think it's, it, it's like I can't even comprehend being an embodied coach or, you know, taking this particular approach with coaching when you haven't done the work yourself or experienced it intimately mm-hmm. for yourself because that's a big difference you might do a lot of the the theory and do a lot of the reading and have like a mental grasp of what's going on but until it's dropping down into your body I don't even know how you could hold space like that for somebody else you mm-hmm. just couldn't I would agree I'm a big fan of personal mastery in the space I am a huge fan of personal mastery in yeah. the space. And I feel like without the personal mastery, we will continue to waver in our confidence and our conviction within ourselves because it isn't bone deep. Personal mastery is a huge must. It's, I think it's everything. It's one of the most essential aspects that I think of any uh, future coaches training, in my opinion. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it goes back again to being, you know, really intimately knowing yourself because it's so easy to bring your own agendas into a session when Mm -hmm. it's got absolutely nothing to do with you. And I think that's a subtle distinction again between being um, the the coaching realm versus the mentoring realm. Slight different flavors. And I think, you know, maybe that's been another challenge of mine of, of, you know, it's like there's the Am I consulting? Am I giving advice? Am I actually coaching and guiding someone through this? Am I facilitating and just holding space? Or am I mentoring? Like there's these subtle different flavors 
and knowing which one am I actually, which one do I love? Which one am I actually really good at? And which one can I just fully own and just say, actually, I don't do this. I do this. That that's also been a bit of a, a challenge for me. And that's a nuanced thing. You don't really know that until you're in it. Mm. I've had similar struggles and I've had a variety of job titles, self-imposed job titles. Uh, I've had, I've had angsty relationships with the idea of being a coach. And as I've integrated that part within me, then I've loved it and it's continuously evolving. Who knows what it will look like next year. I love that. And so Susanna, one final question for you. I'm curious in your work, bringing your work forward and your business, what do you feel has been one of the biggest helpers for you? What has been one of the most important, again, internal or external resources that has really helped you along this long and successful journey that you've had? I would say essentially it's been about Staying very intimate with with my soul truth at every given moment because that's really helped me to trust my own unfolding in my own time. It's helped me to stay within my own integrity, which is a big thing for me. Uh, You're always being exposed to, to... I mean, new information and new ways of doing business or new ways of succeeding or, you know, new this, new that. And it's easy to watch other people maybe succeed and bloom and think that you then have to maybe replicate that or that's the way of doing it. And so it's it's easy to get swept up in the otherness and the everything that's out there. And so I'd say just having a really solid and intimate relationship um, with yeah, with my soul truth has has helped me to sort of unfold with as little <laughs> anxiety or pressure um, or forcefulness, you know, as possible. There's been uh, just a deep trust, actually. It's very beautiful. And... It's also a really beautifully radical way of bringing work and bringing business forward. And I feel like we're really at a time whereby when our decisions are really coming from a deep place within us, you call it soul truth. I describe it as a body-based decision. Same thing, different language. When it is coming from that deep place of integrity and sincerity within you, I think that's a really radical concept for navigating business and life. And so it's so beautiful that that exact same principle, intimacy, that has been a reoccurring thread through this entire conversation is what steered you forward and what has been your biggest help. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that front. And you know, let me just share sort of to really paint a picture of what that actually looks like. You know, when I think of particularly, you know, my sacred dance work, you know, it's like this, it's like a body of work that I feel is truly mine from my own experiences. And when you first sort of, when I first sort of released it to the world, that is, you know, I did a couple of 
um, not even classes, events. And the praise was almost overwhelming. And a lot of people going, oh my God, like I want to do this every week. And you hear this consistent feedback. It's easy and it could have been really easy to go, yeah, well, the people want it, so let me give it. But it never felt right in my body that that was the form it was to take. And it's been interesting how, um, you know, from the sidelines, some might go like, oh, wow, the evolution of that is super slow. Oh, there's so many amazing things you could be doing with it. But I've noticed I've had to stay really, really intimate with it and trust any time the inspiration hit for when something wanted to be created, um, you know, so it eventually just became like this event I create like only once or twice a year. And I just know the feeling in my body, like when it's on, it is on. Like I, I can barely even sleep because the, the inspiration or the wisdom's just moving through me at such an unreal pace that I'm extremely energized. And, you know, that's been a clear sign for me of knowing when I'm really on it instead of trying to force or will something into creation or into reality and and then knowing again just the divine timing of the different forms some of the body of works want to take and that just requires a great deal of patience when there's a part of you that wants to like let's you know give birth to the baby before the baby is ready so there's a bit of a dance in like am I actually procrastinating am I being lazy am I neglecting this thing or is there a deeper wisdom here in the soul of that particular business or the soul of that particular body of work? So that's sort of what I mean about really staying close and intimate with, with me and not getting carried away with everybody else's opinion of what I should or shouldn't be doing. Mm. A beautiful example. And it speaks so exquisitely to the nuances of being totally sensitive tuned in and inhabited in this body absolutely the definition of embodiment thank you so much susanna if you'd like to find out more about susanna's work make sure you head to susannafrioni.com the link to find her is in the show notes but this isn't the end of super juicy conversations. I have a very special part two for you, which you can also find on iTunes or via my website, jennaward.co. In this special part two, we're speaking with another successful coach who works with the feminine embodied arts from a very fierce and shame centric point of view. I'd really encourage you to continue listening over in part two as we dive into a very different experience of entering the coaching world and a very different set of coaching challenges that have led to some really amazing real world success with Marcella Woodrick. If you're interested in studying to become a feminine embodiment coach, right now enrollment is open in the School of Embodied Arts Feminine Embodiment Coaching Certification, and you can find out all the details at feminineembodimentcoaching.com. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, and I look forward to continuing the conversation in part two, which is already available now in iTunes.